Welcome to the show where my friends and I tell real world stories of other world magic. My name is Peyton and I'm into it. Welcome, everybody. Uh, my name is Peyton Turner, and I'm into it. And so is my guest today, Aaron Anderson. And it is just a real honor for me um, to have her um, with me today. She is a little bit about um, about Aaron. Is Aaron is my coach? And when I first started my own business, I knew that I needed someone to show me. Um, how to get started and how to really get clear on my vision. And um, Erin was referred to me by somebody else. And as soon as we met, I knew that she was the girl for me. So, and we've had just an amazing journey um, for the past almost year and a half. I'll say. It's crazy. (laughs) (laughs) So I just want to thank you so much, Erin, for being with me today. It's really special. You're welcome. Really special. Just like another one of our awesome conversations. I'm into it. You're into it. Aaron's oh, into it. Aaron's into it. <laughs> so, um, you know, I was thinking about um, about you and about this conversation today. And I was thinking back to that time when we first met, when I, we first had a discovery call and we were trying, I was trying to find a coach and, um, and I talked to you on the phone and it was almost like within a few minutes, I knew um, that you were intuitive. And so this whole show is about um, intuition and I'm interviewing and having guests on the show who are practicing and using their intuition on a daily basis. And that can look like something really obvious, like psychic mediums, like my friend Jenny Shanks that was on. Um, But for you, it's a little more subtle in the way that you use your intuition, but I consider you to be a very powerful intuitive. And so when I was kind of tuning into you this morning, I was thinking about that first conversation that I had and with you and how did we, how did I know that you were intuitive? And I don't think it's because I'm intuitive and solely, mm-hmm. but I wonder, I was wondering if you could just start off by speaking to that, because I think that as an intuitive, it's almost like I have spidey sense for other people who are intuitive as well. Right. I kind of picked up on that with you, even though you didn't, you never even really use those words, but I kind of had that feeling. Mm-hmm. And so I'm just wondering if you could speak to that and how that yeah. shows up for you. It's funny. Cause um, I, I mean, I've, I've never really, um, I, I haven't used the word intuitive. Um, I, I love, I love the concept of intuition. I, um, I find it really fascinating. I study it. I, I, um, um, I'm fascinated by it, but you're the first one who really like, called me that. And so, um, you know, I sort of scratched my head a bit and went, huh, I I guess so. But I've never really put, um, um, I'm intuitive out in front of, of myself or separate to myself, which is of course not intuition anymore. Um, so I, I think that likely ever since I was very little, um, I've probably been called sensitive and, oh, you're so sensitive. But really what sensitive is, is intuitive. <laughs> but what happened, I think as a kid, 
this might seem like a sad story, but what I think happened as a kid is that I was called sensitive when I was picking up on things that were happening in my home or around me or even in my school. And um, I was called sensitive and, and the thing that I was bringing up was likely dismissed. And so I started to make a bit of a story about it that, um, oh, I'm a bother or, oh, my sensitivity is is a problem. And so I would start to like hide it and, and push it down and squash it. And, you know, like most most kids with our innate um, uh, gifts, when we squash them, they, they come out kind of sideways. So I think <laughs> what happened is that through my, you know, teen years and 20s, it, it, it kind of got bottled up a bit. And um, it, it, I can tell you that when my intuition isn't being um, harnessed and used and, and in flow, that I, you'll know when I get frustrated or I get impatient or I want to fix things or I want to drive. So I, I've learned what my intuition feels like is that it doesn't feel like anything at all. It just feels like total flow. Things are just like sparks are flying and things are moving. Mm-hmm. There's no me as a driver of, of that vehicle anymore. I, I'm, I've kind of taken my hands off the wheel and, and let you know, spirit move. I mean, these are words that I've even learned from you. I didn't know the word moves, spirits moving. Like I didn't know the word download. I didn't, I didn't know those words or that, that um, depiction. But what I have learned is who I am when I'm intuitive and who I am when I'm not. And that's been a big source of power for me to know um, when, when I'm, um, when I'm gripping the wheel and trying to control my life versus allowing life to flow through me. Yeah. So that, that's been the biggest learning for me for sure. Yeah. And I, I love that. And um, I, when you talk about you gripping the wheel versus letting, you know, letting life flow, I love that imagery because I feel like, and when you say you gripping the wheel, the way that I teach it with my clients is I talk about ego and ego being in the driver's seat. Um, And in actuality, your intuition is the best GPS that you have Mm. for keeping you on track and in flow. And it's when our ego takes over and our ego jumps in the driver's seat is when things get bumpy um, and we get off track. But I want to speak to actually, because this is a beautiful image and I, and I can really relate to you being a sensitive child because I was too. And so I have this memory, uh, I'm trying to think of like, how did I, what is one memory that I have of where my sensitivity really overwhelmed me as a kid? And I thought, okay, this isn't normal. And I really remember being in the grocery store with my parents, probably my mom, and walking past the cold food section where they had whole turkeys (laughs) on display. Mm -hmm. And I remember, and I was young, I was probably like eight or nine years old. And I remember looking at the turkeys and making the connection that those were once living beings. And I lost it. I mean, lost it. I I couldn't stop crying. I mean, I, I just, and I knew like I was smart enough, like as, as a human, I was smart enough to know that that reaction was not a normal reaction but yet I was just overcome with this, this emotion, like, oh my God, these poor turkeys, you know, like they died and there they are. I was just so sensitive to their pain, basically. I mean, I feel like it took me a while to snap out of that. And I'm sure my mom was like, <laughs> great. <laughs> here we go. Yeah. Grab me by the wrist and let's haul her out of here. But, um, 
But yeah, so I'm, I'm when you when you share that you were a sensitive child and that's how your intuition showed up, I can relate to that. And I'm wondering if you can give me an example. Like, do you have your tur- your frozen turkey moment? Like, is there something like that for you? Yeah, it was a really. It's interesting because it's it's a it's a story that I've reflected on many many times. I've written about it. I've thought about it. I've um, you know pro- processed it. But it, it hasn't until recently that I understood it. Um, it was this moment when I was uh, found myself sitting in my aunt's kitchen, and I was eleven. Mm-hmm. And I remember this kitchen. It had yellow um, countertops, and it had like this banquette. Um, kitchen nook and it had that sticky kind of vinyl that the backs of my legs were sticking to the vinyl and it was like a it was like a diner kind of table and she was a heavy smoker and a drinker and I did not like her I I I was so uncomfortable I just remember just bracing myself sitting there going why am I here why am I here and I asked her why like why am I here and I knew something was I mean anyways I knew something was wrong and she was lying and she was a terrible liar. Go, oh, your father's in Calgary and your mother's busy or something. And I I mean, I couldn't imagine my parents putting me with her of all the people. You know what I mean? She was the most unmaternal, uncaring. The drunk, the drunk anyway. chain smoker. <laughs> oh, yeah. Clink, clink, clink. With the, you know, so, and it was probably like three in the afternoon and she had a hefty scotch. But it was that moment that I knew something was wrong. But And I knew that I was being lied to, but I didn't know I didn't know what was wrong. I just knew something was wrong. And I, and, and I knew I was being lied to. And then I went home and I don't remember the, the sequence of events, but it ended up that my mom had um, a very ad- advanced form of cancer and was in the hospital having a mastectomy. And I don't even to this day really know the, you know, the course of events, but I think that the surgery came up fairly quickly and my dad had to kind of scramble and put me somewhere. And although I go home and I'm 11 years old and I'm, I'm like, there's something wrong here like this, even though I didn't see anything and no one had told me anything. And so I was left kind of in the dark for a little while about it until my mom could sort of sensitively and caringly tell me that she had cancer and she'd had this, this surgery. But that the period of time from the moment I sat in her in her kitchen to I, I don't even know what the time frame was. It could have been three hours. It didn't matter. It was way too long mm-hmm. without with feeling like something's wrong here and being 11 years old and feeling feeling like I'm being told, be quiet, stay still, everything's fine. You know, the adults are handling it. They're fine, mm-hmm. you know, like that. Yeah. So, you know, that I really carried that story and I've made it mean all kinds of things. So, you know, I have trust issues and all these things. <laughs> but really what it came down to, and I've, I've come to this realization fairly recently, is that that was just a moment of being very intuitively aware that there's a problem, there's something wrong. Mm-hmm. And that there was a part of me that knew I could have risen to the occasion. I could have been there by her bedside. I could have held her hand. I could have been there in the pain. I could handle it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's interesting because all my life I've been able to actually handle a hefty amount of pain and trauma and being around it. I can really hold my own. I am when I listen to someone tell me that they've been raped or that they, you know, they've had major trauma. I worked in Africa for a while and listening to these kids from Rwanda who like, you know, were in homes for like inside their house for 12 years, they couldn't leave their house, like incredible trauma. And and I, I could, be in the space of it and not lose myself. <clears throat> so I knew that I could I could be around pain and not like not swallow it. Mm-hmm. So learning that throughout my life, I kind of reflect back at that time and, and think, you know, yes, I was aware something's wrong here, 
And I could have handled it, but I was being adulted, like I was being managed yeah. as yeah. a kid. So yeah, it's it's been a fun awareness over time to not be uh, not be blocked or not let my intuition block me, but also not let it run my life. Yeah, mm -hmm. I love that, um, and I'm really interesting because I this is fun for me because I'm learning all sorts of cool things about you that I didn't know, and um, I. What I want to talk about, I love when you say that you, because I, I feel like as, as a child, as an intuitive child and as an intuitive adult, um, we, uh, most intuitives are um, empaths. You know, we have a, a good pulse on other people's emotions and we can feel and sense and pick up on the emotions of other people who are around us, even in our physical radius or across the globe, really. And that becomes very crippling for a lot of people. One of the best things that medicine, practicing medicine did for me is teach me how to walk into a room with a patient, hold space for them in that room when they're getting most likely bad news, and then walk out, brush it off, close the door, start over again, and do it with somebody else. And not as an empath, not carry um, their fears and their emotions with me. And that was just a practice um, that I really think, I really think that medicine was really good at, at helping me fine tune that ability to be with someone and hold space for them, but also keep, keep space um, and not lose myself. How, what, how, how did you get that? Cause I know you weren't in medicine. So how do you think you developed? Because that's, that is like, for me, that's one, that's a great gift to be able to be intuitive, to be empathic, to hold space for other people and not take that on yourself. So I'm interested yeah. to know, like what, you know, for me, it was medicine. Like, what was it for you? Yeah. I mean, as I'm listening to you, I, you know, I definitely, um, you know, dance on the edge of that for sure. I mean, there's um, some days when I'm, uh, you know, extraordinarily tired. I'm thinking, what's going on? What did I eat? What did I mm, like? Did I get a virus? And then I realized, oh, whoopsie, oopsie. <laughs> I probably, you know, took on a little too much. And so, you know, I'm always a, a very aware of the, the, that line, but I would say that I learned that in two places. One, um, as you were talking, I had sort of the awareness of it. My dad is the master of non-attachment mm. and it's been a problem as a sensitive kid. Um, but also the greatest gift that he could have ever given me because he, he, yeah, he just naturally embodies non-attachment. And sometimes as a kid, you want your dad to be attached to you. You want to be attached to your dad. You want that, you want that attachment. It's well, kind of yeah, and especially as a little, as a girl, like a little, there's something about yeah. little girls and their daddies that you just oh, I love my daddy. Love yeah. my dad. Me too. Yeah. But it's that, yeah. But it's that ego piece, right? The, the, the demonstrative, um, you know, ego piece, ego satisfying, ego brush, you know, stroking stuff. Mm -hmm. But he, you know, he comes from the highest form of love actually, which is that non-attachment piece. Mm -hmm. So I, I really witnessed him um, being un, unattached, and I learned it from from him. We we would go on these um, treks in in Nepal together, and he we had a company for thirty years of taking people into the high Himalaya and um, taking them trekking up into high altitude, and we would be with people who are triple type A like high achievers, mm -hmm. and it's amazing to watch what happens to triple type A high achievers when they can't get their way. <laughs> 
when the fog rolls in and the plane can't take off, right? Or, you know, the snow comes and you can't pitch your tent there or what, you know, like nature, you know, the randomness of it all. And so I watched my dad lead people while in in these, you know, random places, like they'd say, well, when's the plane going to take off? And he'd say today, tomorrow, who knows? Like he would just be this, you know, wax on, wax off guy. And just watching him not take on a process, the, the issues of others was really masterful. So I, I learned that from him. And then I, I really have studied the mind a lot and understood that really attachment comes through thinking. Really, that's it. It's, you know, bad news, good news, who knows? It's how you think about it that matters. Mm. So what I'm careful not to do is, <laughs> this is going to sound kind of mean, but what I'm careful not to do is believe everything people say that they think. Well, I think that na 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 is sana na, or well, I think that na 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 na. So, uh, or it is so, or it is this way, or it is that way. Those are all thoughts that are causing people to suffer. Yeah. So I've learned to be unattached from from the suffering thoughts and to let people process them and let them let them process them for themselves. And I can just be the witness, the observer and go, whoa, that was, yeah, wow. You know, kind of watch it like a firework show. Yeah. But not, I don't need to take it on because it's not even theirs anyway. Mm. It's so, yeah, it's not theirs anyway. It's, it's something else. And um, it's funny, of course, this com- this comes up because I'm I'm working through a course in miracles, and the lesson that I'm on today is, you know, I'm in that whole section of a course in miracles where it talks about um, I'm not upset for the reasons that I think, yeah, or I am not, um, <laughs> yeah, I'm not. My thoughts, um, my thoughts uh, don't mean anything, you know. And thoughts are just thoughts. And, I, and there's a I, when you say this, I'm reminded of this this quote from William Shakespeare. And I don't even, I don't know if it's a Macbeth or whatever, but I know you know what I'm talking about. It's nothing is either good nor bad until thinking makes it so. And that is the ultimate unattachment. That's the ultimate, you know, being in this place of um, ob- what I like to call objective non-reactivity. Mm-hmm. Like, can you sit in a place of objective non-reactivity? And really, that's the place where we find peace. And it's also the place where, for me, where my intuition really shines. That's right. It really takes the lead. Yeah. yeah. So busy thoughts, the thinking, 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 it just clutters the winds. The, the, I, I was like the metaphor of, of, you know, what, what coaching does or what, what, when, when you work with people and their thoughts and their thinking, it's just that windshield wiper, like yeah. just clear the windshield of your mind. <laughs> right. but they're like, there's a bug on my windshield and it's bothering me. And I, I hate it. And I wish it wasn't there. Well, just, Oh, <laughs> yeah, it's well, the, the, I remember there's, you know, we've talked about this before too. And when I'm, when I'm, when we're coaching people, it's almost like they're telling you everything and you're just kind of doing this <laughs> looking for, you know, that common, that common thread. So in, you know, intuitive, sensitive, childhood. And then you learned some really great tools from your dad about how to hold space for people without taking on their emotions. But then you also mentioned that you kind of learned to squash your intuition because being sensitive was not good. Yeah, that that really came up in my 20s, uh, uh, well, late teens and 20s, where, you know, it's interesting. 
you're right. I definitely did squash it for sure. You know, like in my private life, but then, so then, you know, my, my, my husband and sometimes with my kids and, you know, my social life perhaps like, and what I'm speaking to there is like my lowest form personality. Like when I'm, when I suck, it's usually <laughs> when I'm, I'm processing them or I'm processing or I'm gripping and holding on and wanting things to be a certain way, that real sense of control. And then on the other side, through, throughout my life, I started to see um, that operating from intuition is, is quick, actually. It's really rapid. It's, mm -hmm. it, it just sort of happens. And, and if I allow it to happen and I don't get in the way of it, I find that I say things or I write things or I create things or I, or I move in a certain way or I, or I step towards someone or I step away from someone. I mean, all these things, these decisions that are not thought-based, they're, they're of a, another, another energy force or something that's moving through me. You know, of course, I'm applying my skills and I'm, I'm learning and educating all those things. Mm -hmm. But there's some, that deeper thing that has it's been unteachable. It's been, I, I can't, I can't explain it. I can't um, give someone a 10 step plan to make it happen for them. Like the untouchable thing that has moved through me, that's been a big difference maker in my career. And when I apply it on other people, it really works. So yeah, it, I agree. It is the intuit, the untouchable intuitive piece that you're speaking to that, that voice that we hear the quick decision that we make when we're in the flow, you know, so you're describing two different states, right? There's coming back to being, having your ego in the driver's seat where you're trying to plan, predict and control everything and everyone around you. And that's super constrictive. Yeah, and, that that. Was, and that was your teens and twenties. And then, Stop. And, Stop. and then, then there's that place, that other place um, where there's breathing room and space where all of a sudden you can make decisions and you can hear things. For me, it's like, it's almost like a, it's not, I know it, I, you're describing it perfectly. It's not coming from inside of you. It's coming from outside of you somewhere. Um, but it's also clear guidance and it speaks to the, to the divinity within us when it comes in and it's always the right thing to do. So there's, there's this space of constriction when ego's in the driver's seat. And then there's a space of expansion when you're, you're following your intuition. And so it's really hard to describe how to teach people what that is. However, there, I know that you are, there are things that you do to set yourself up to tap into it. Right. So what are some of the things that, um, that you've learned along the way? So I'm, I'm imagining and correct me if I'm wrong. I'm imagining that, you know, you, you were intuitive as a kid and then you kind of gotten really, really contracted teens, twenties that felt terrible. And then all of a sudden you, there's some expansion that comes, um, when you start following your intuition and, and, and what are the tools that you use to help you get out of that constriction and into the expansion and to start listening and, and following your intuition and being in that flow that you describe? Well, first of all, I love the way you explained that. That was just so affirming the way you, you describe predict, <laughs> what did you say? Predict control and predict and control, man. It's like, oh. I get that's, I mean, I've learned it from myself. It's like, okay, Peyton, are you trying to plan, predict or control the future? <laughs> I mean, and if, and as a psychic, oh my God, it's like, I try to do this shit all the time, you know, <laughs> I'm just going to happen when, and you know, it's, uh. 
spirits never let me down. They're never wrong. My interpretation, however, can be very wrong. So it's just take the information and go with it. Stop trying to plan, predict, or control. So that's where the constriction happens for me, right? Well, that's usually where you and I work together is in that in that plan, predict, and control domain. So I, I thank you for that language. It's really great. And, and um, you know, that, that side of me is not going anywhere. And I, I, <laughs> I can know well, it. Should it because it's, it serves a purpose, right? Yes, I mean, absolutely. It keeps me safe and, um, and often keeps me stuck. But the, the, the practice that, that I think I use, um, well, that I know I use, well, how would I say this? So I there's think, tools, right? Like, so and when yeah, we're going into really like specific tools too, like yeah. some, one of the most specific and um, potent and rapid tool that I use is, um, was taught to me by my teacher, Suzanne Conrad, mm-hmm. who has created something called lightyear.co, which is, um, an amazing platform for, um, self-leadership. And she was my coach training. So I, I learned to be a coach through her and her teacher was a woman named Dorothy Espio, who, um, who really taught her a lot about the morphogenic field that's around us. So the energy field that, that surrounds each of us as humans. And we all have these spin points around our energy field that are, are really felt. So I, I learned um, a lot through that body of work, what it is to bring energy into the room and that we are responsible. I am responsible for the energy I bring into the room wherever I go. Mm-hmm. So as soon as I got really responsible for the energy that I bring into the room, I became acutely aware of other people's energy that they're bringing into the room. So I, I just kind of became very aware of myself and them. And then what happens from there and the tool that I learned from her was a very simple practice of holding holding out the hand. So in, in um, Native American traditions, they would say, welcome you by saying how, how. And one of the reasons for doing that is to show I bear no harm, uh, no arms. I, you know, I, I have no harm. I'm holding an open palm. Mm-hmm. And this open palm, then when you turn it to yourself, you know, I, I bear no arms. I, I mean no harm. So here I am. I am Aaron. And you are Peyton. I am Aaron, you are my computer. I am Aaron, you are Canada, right? I am Aaron, you are COVID. I am Aaron, you are my journal. You are my phone, like that. So having that distinction of, of having my own I am, it really allowed other people to be who, who they are. And, um, and I get to then be peaceful in the reality of what is so. Mm. So, so that I stop raging against why is she being like that? And why is he being like that? And why is this like that? And when will it end? And when will it start? So I, I got to really use that tool as probably a foundational tool for everything. It really just works across the board. And what I'm seeing when you describe that is that, is that you've created your own Aaron bubble. And from that Aaron bubble, you can acknowledge that other people have their bubbles. Yeah. And that creates some, um, it creates both connection and separation at the same time. So you get to retain all of who you are mm-hmm. and you really get to see other people for all of who they are from the perspective of you standing in all of who you are versus I think that where we get caught up sometimes, and I've certainly, you know, certainly have fallen into this trap before is when we go and jump into somebody else's bubble to try to fix something or try to you know, we get sucked into the drama or anything like this, but, but I love that kind of like keeping it. And for me in my life, it's keeping it at arm's length. You know, who do I need to keep? What do I need to keep at arm's length? 
you know, and you described to me, um, um, a similar thing where it's like you, you are, you are in the center core. Um, if, if you can imagine a target with 72 rings and you're standing in the center circle and who, and you said to me, who else is supposed to be in that circle with you? And I named like three or four people and you're like, no, (laughs) nobody is in that circle with you. That is your circle. And I love that, you know? Um, so that, that's a great tool kind of having this imagery where you keep yourself, um, whole and separate from other people. And then what are some other, like there's two, I'm hearing two, there's two other tools that are important to you to create the space you need for your intuition to come in. Well, I'm learning the tool and and I'm telling you it's a constant learning, but I'm learning the tool of slowing down. And that's really... (laughs) Well, you're going to die when I tell you what happened in meditation this morning when I tuned into you. So, oh, okay. I mean, I'm so glad you said that because I was, I'm looking at the, the read that I got for you and I'm like, yeah. I know. Anyway, so you're learning, you're learning the tool of slowing down. So, okay. pedal, pedal to the metal, baby. Yeah, fast and furious it has been um, an MO, which comes from that ego driving um, place for sure. So, when when I slow down, I can be with people. I am um, quite masterful at it when I'm with people. And in my own life, you know, away from people, I can like, like I can really go hyperspeed. So I'm, I'm learning uh, to integrate the two, slowing down with people and then slowing down in my life. And what do you do to slow down in your life? What does that look like? Well, a lot of times the slowing down um, really is the slowing down of believing the thoughts. So it's, uh, it's allowing the thoughts to come and let, letting them, you know, I should do this. What are happening? Why isn't this here? Why so if you really were to put on the narrative tape, it would be gangbusters, right? The, the amount of thoughts that we have. So part of it is really slowing down my thinking and allowing space for the thoughts to come, but not chomping down on all of them and having to act. So is that like a minute by minute practice is like you're doing the dishes and talking to your children or is it, do you set aside time for meditation every day? No, I, um, I like to think that, you know, my, my meditation practices, you know, (laughs) is a minute by minute thing all day long. Um, I'm not one to sit in meditation. I love the practice of it. And I've, I've gone through waves of it where I'll meditate for an hour and I'll, I'll be there. But um, lately, uh, I have been just simply slowing down my even my movement, like I need to hurry up and get this and hurry up and get that or hurry up and think this or hurry up and create that. Um, I've just been slowing, like you said, minute by minute, doing the dishes, really being aware I'm doing this dish, this beautiful dish and mm. putting it to the side. Like, yeah, presence. It's just being present. But it's, it's like um, presence is such an interesting term because there actually is no present mm. either. You know, the, this present moment is gone already too. So, you know, when people practice presence, it's kind of a futile practice because it's mm-hmm. gone. So it's a more of a, like, I love the way you described it, like a moment to moment awareness. I, I would call it an awareness practice more than I'd call it a presence. Ooh, I love that. An awareness practice. Mm-hmm. Like being aware. How loving- many times are we driving in the car and we get to a destination and we're like, I have no idea how I got here because we were not sitting in awareness along the drive. 
you know, or I went for a walk yesterday. It was awesome. It was so awesome because it reminded me of my awareness practice so acutely. It gets dark so freaking early these days. It's, you know, January 4th or 5th or whatever it is. And it gets dark at like four o'clock. And so I love this woodsy walk that I do with my dog. And I was, I knew I was pushing it for time. <laughs> and so I was out in these woods and we had a huge snowfall, like huge dump, two feet of snow. So I'm trudging through the, the woods with my dog and the trail is gone. There's no trail because there was so much snow that fell, but I kind of know. <laughs> I kind of know the way. And so I was getting out there and I was hyped. This is why I love nature so much and why I love wilderness. But I was so aware of every tree. And is it that turn? And do I turn left here? No, not yet. And like really feeling it out. And it was getting darker and darker. And I, I was noticing fear. And fear is just a thought about the future, right? So right. I was noticing it was kind of nearby. But the more I became present or aware rather just aware of my surroundings that there's a person okay if I get in trouble I can see right or I I, I can see the lights of the town and like just the, I became so aware of what I was in and it was the most I will I don't know if I will ever forget that walk it was the most joyful alive feeling that I felt in a little while because I was really on the edge of my awareness oh that's I love that image mm -hmm. oh I love that and I your dog is just like <laughs> always always that that's uh they're the perfect um the perfect poster child for presence right like they're always in the moment <laughs> no question um really great so there's one thing that i want to ask you that was kind of coming in at the beginning too um so you've got this so we're looking at the story of your life and you've got this you know intuitive being this child um, and then some constriction that happens in your teens and twenties. Um, and then there's an expansion that happens after that, where you really start to be in practice of awareness, which is, which then opens you up to being in flow and intuition. And I feel like, so you have on the wall in your office, I can't see it in this shot, but you have on the wall something that says, remember why you started. Yes. Remember why you started. And I feel like I, I would like for you to tell me why you started and I'm assuming you mean with your coaching, um, because I feel like that's, that is the moment of where the expansion begins. Like, like there's the expansion is tied into your why. I think the part, yes, I, um, wow. You know, it's, um, I'm always trying to be obedient to the thoughts and the images that come into my mind because I know that they're correct. So the, the very first image that came into my mind was uh, standing beside a, a chain link fence um at in i think i was in grade six and i was talking to my friend heather i can't remember her last name and her parents had just gotten divorced and i i stood by sort of leaning against this fence and was asking her how she felt and and how she was doing and i just remember this that feeling of standing for someone mm -hmm. and so you know remembering why i started is a little bit like uh also remembering who i've always been and uh, remembering who I've always um, who who I've always been meant meant to be, and the why question is really about purpose. And so, what what is that what is that underlying purpose that I'm living into? And it isn't about what I'm doing. 
um, you know, but it is more about who I'm being. And I remember that that moment because of who I was being that day. And I got such a rush. I just remember feeling so alive. Um, and, you know, I don't know if I helped her or not. I have no idea. But but I do remember that feeling of um, of really being with her and the whole rest of the world disappeared. And so that memory has always sort of stayed with me. And you know, I, I never really set out to be a coach, but coaching has just been something that has uh, has sort of kept showing up for me. And when I use the word obedient, it means it, what I've learned it to be through uh, my teacher is to be thy essence and to be Ooh. obedient to yeah. your essence of who you really are. And that why, you know, why I start now and now again and now again is to be obedient to who I've always been and listen what I'm not speaking to is staying in a lane I I hate that term I'm not speaking to that but what I am speaking to is to to live into who I've always been where there is peace and there is no suffering like if I tried to be an accountant you know and do a you know a career that had you know my poor mother she would just just be baffled that I had no health care and no, you know, benefits. And I've just always been an entrepreneur all my life. I don't know if I've ever gotten benefits. So, you know, she would just be like, I don't understand. But that just was who I, you know, I've always been. Well, it's so, um, and you, you are that way for people. Like I, that's my experience of you is when I'm on a call with you and you are in the role of being coached for me, my experience is that you are there fully for me a hundred percent. Um, and you said the word remember as in always remembering who I am. And I want, and what that, what I'm, what that's pinging for me is in shamanism, we talk about a dismemberment, Mm -hmm. um, which is a pulling apart. Mm-hmm. So to be dismembered is to be pulled apart spiritually. And that can look like a lot of different things. It could look like a divorce. It could look like a death in the family. It could look like a loss of a job. It could look like I stubbed my toe today. It could look like a bunch of different things. But I've always been fascinated about this because we get dismembered to then remember. Mm. So we get pulled apart in a way that we come back together again, whole, yeah. remember and we remember who we are. Yeah. So in your remembering, and, and for me, it's just, there's a constant, there's always a dismemberment and then another remembering and a, a dismemberment and a remembering. So for you, has there been a memorable dismemberment? Like and in the hero's journey, they would call this like the mm-hmm. ordeal, you know, the place where there was, you know, the classic Phoenix death and rebirth, like rising up from the ashes. Like, well, there's there one one moment that you can remember what it's like after this moment, everything changed. And I, and at the time it seemed terrible, but I got so much clarity and I really remembered who I was. I, you know, I, this is going to sound odd, but I, um, like, I, I kind of wish I had that, like, you know, Steven mm-hmm. Spielberg dramatic moment, but I, I don't recall one. I do recall many, um, yeah. many, many, many. Um, and you know, I could probably put them into themes, um, of getting just really bad advice, um, or people wanting me to be a certain way and me listening, um, people really, you know, people telling me, stay in your lane, Aaron. Um, I was often taught that, um, and told that. So I, I don't recall a, a, a real moment, but I do remember, um, 
feeling very lost and very, uh, very alone. But you know what? Okay. Maybe there was a moment. Yeah. I'm it feeling like there's a, there's, there's something that's sticking. Yeah. Out. Well, there's, there's sort of flashes of a few, but what, there was one moment when I made a decision. So when there was a decision made like the, the you know, to cut off all other possibilities and to decide. And it was a moment when I had two young kids. My daughter was about a year old and my son was three and I was on the couch. Literally. I think, I was literally drooling like uh, like I was sort of a shell of a human being and they were both napping at the time and I was on my computer and I was talking to my girlfriend saying I've got I've got to do something like I've I've got to get away I've got to like I hadn't done anything in five years I had just been really focused only on kids I'd had a miscarriage and I was really focused 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 on these kids and um, I wasn't working. I, in Canada, we get a year off in between. And so I, I was working with, a, uh, with an ad agency and design firm. I was doing graphic design brand management with them. And uh, so I was off for quite a long time. And I felt my brain was mush. And I came across this, this website and it was, um, it was a terribly ugly website, but there was this little, um, series of photos of, um, a, a yoga retreat. It was like a yoga boot camp. It was not a retreat. They were making that very clear. It was boot camp. If you want to come and get your ass handed to you and you want to have a breakthrough in your life and you want to, you know, sweat and, and detoxify and, um, learn about yourself and, and create powerful tools for self-leadership, this is the place. And so I was intrigued. And the thing that got me to sign up and pay money that I did not have and take time that I did not have and go and do this thing was there was a photo of two women sitting with their knees touching face to face to face and they were both bawling. And I went, I want that. (laughs) (laughs) I was desperate for that level of connection, raw, real, um, soulful, you know, expansion and, um, and, uh, release. And so I went and it was, uh, Baron Baptiste and it was my level one yoga teacher training in Tulum, Mexico in 2009. Um, and I, I went there, I sat in the front row on the very first day and I, I sat, I sat there without knowing anything. I was a very novice yoga practitioner, but I didn't know, I didn't know what I was getting myself into. I sat down the front row the first night of discussion and I looked up at this banner and I, I found this banner to be particularly ugly and coming from from this branding and design background I sat there and I pointed to the the thing I said to myself one day I will work for this organization and I knew that I was going to be a big part of it I knew I was going to it was going to change my life and I knew I was going to change their life and that that ended up being so I, I stayed with Baron for over 10 years, I ended up working for the Institute. I rebranded them twice. Um, I helped them, you Thank know, <laughs> grow their content and all this stuff. You know, and what's interesting is that s- sitting there, I really danced between unworthiness and service. Unworthy and then service. Unworthy and then service. And then I, the unworthiness started to get weaker and weaker and weaker. And the service got stronger and stronger and stronger. Mm. So it was probably that moment of lying on the couch thinking there's like, is this it? Yeah. And then saying, actually, no, there's something else. And yeah. making the decision to say yes and go. Well, yeah. And you answered the call. I, I mean, did answer the call. You answered and, the call. and answering the call and, and stepping into the unknown, anytime I've ever done that, it's really worked out. Yeah. Oh, I love that. And how, how have you, I have one more question before we get into 
the intuitive piece, like the things that I pulled for you earlier today, how have you been transformed by spirit? Wow. I mean, I think it's been the internal transformation because, you know, we can look Mm. at your life and how your life has changed and the jobs have changed and the creativity's come and all that kind of stuff. But how, how have you been transformed? Like before life, before spirit and life following Mm. after spirit, like what, how has that transformed you? Yeah. I mean, I feel like I'm constantly being transformed by spirit. And, and I would say that the biggest sort of lesson or thing that I've, I've walked away with is, um, that, Spirit is always kind. Spirit is always peaceful. Spirit is always generous. Spirit is always loving, always, always. And if it's not those things, it's not spirit. And so I just kind of got that that discernment. I got that distinction. Mm -hmm. So I'm not saying that I never suffer. I'm not saying that I'm always experiencing kindness and generosity. I'm not because I'm human and I'll always have that ego peace within me. But spirit has has allowed me to see the distinction and to see the possibility and to see that you know um there are no problems there's just only possibility so that that's probably the place Mm -hmm. i love that i love it yeah and that's my experience with spirit too is that it is always spirit never lets you down it never lets you down and if and if you feel let down it's not spirit that's right it's your ego yeah My ego's let me down plenty. Oh my God, right? <laughs> Give me both. Plenty. It's like, oh, hello, old friend. <laughs> there you are. Here we go again. Uh-huh. So we meet again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> All right, great. Well, we're, let's get into this. I, so this is one of my favorite uh, parts of the podcast. So I, um, with your permission, yeah. kind of tuned into you before we talked today. And, um, and you have no idea what I got. So I'm going to share with you what I got. And uh, my, my intuition comes in two very powerful ways. I see, so I'm clairvoyant. So I see images and I hear, I hear words. So I was actually not planning on tuning into you when I was sitting in meditation this morning, but that's what happened. So, um, so there were a couple things that I saw. One of the first things that I saw was um, it was the game of Jack's and hopscotch. Oh, good one. Yeah. Like drop the ball, pick the thing, drop up. the ball and pick up, pick up the jacks, which as a kid I was fascinated with, but I just like, I never understood how to play it. And then, and then after they showed me the, the jacks and the hopscotch, they showed me uh, the jacks, they showed me the hopscotch. So I don't know if that means anything for you or not. Both those games were probably the only game schoolyard games that I liked to play as a kid. You actually played those as oh, yeah, all the time. That's interesting. Yeah. I've never actually played those games. I mean, I've always wanted to and tried to, but nobody ever taught me. So yeah. So then there's probably something there for you about play. Right. I mean, it's, um, you know, it's, it's interesting because the pickup jacks is chaotic and it's quick and it's uh, it's you, no matter how smart you are, no matter how great you are, no matter how much education you have, whatever you, you can't, you can't control it. It there's, it's random. It's, mm. it's wonderfully random, which it makes it exciting and different every single time you, you got to bounce a ball and pick up a bunch of these little spiky things before the ball lands again. So it's, it's quick. Um, and you play together with, you know, groups of people, there's lots of laughter and it, it, it's it, one of the most, you know, like awareness building 
games you can play because you you cannot be distracted. That's the great equalizer. Like you can't outsmart yeah. somebody in jacks. And I would say that hopscotch is reminds me of the thing that I like least about what's happening in the world these days. It's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. It's very um, uh, in the box, methodological, only one way. Um, it's very linear. It's it, there's no there's no crossing over the midline. It's mm -hmm. it's everything that I don't like about what Instagram is doing these days, and you know about follow yeah. my you know, hopscotch plan to get 10x your followers. And you know, it's it's someone else's plan, someone else's design. I would have rather have run around a, a uh, uh, what do you call it? A mandala or a maze yeah. or something. Yeah. So, yeah. Very cool. Next thing they showed me, a little tiny um, marble, but that it was clear crystal, almost like a little crystal ball mm. that then quickly turned into a monocle. You know, like those like the Monopoly game guy wears the monocle. Hmm. For some reason, I just think of my mother. I mean, it's so funny because I just got new glasses and they're kind of round. Oh they're yeah. Well actually that, yeah, that kind of, if you only had one of them, that was kind of what it looked like. So. Yeah. I mean, you know, it, I, I mean, I could interpret it. it it's um, you know, I, I, I find that the, that the crystal it, and the cl clear lens or clear glass is it, is a lot what what we're dealing with. It's it's clear. It's hard to see um, what's going on. It's it's hard to to it, it's hard to name it. Um, yeah, it, that's interesting. I'm not sure. I, what I love about crystals though is that they're like something like this. Was it multifaceted or was it flat? Yeah. You know, it was a, it was like a little marble, like a, like almost like a tiny crystal ball. You know, like yeah. Uh Huh. I'll look for it. Well, and, and so, and then, so here's, here's the, the, the coolest piece. And so I, I know that your mom's in spirit mm -hmm. and I know certain aspects of your mom. I know that she was a painter. I know that you guys were, that you, you were close. Mm -hmm. um, and so what the, actually the overwhelming thing that I saw this morning when I went into meditation is I saw your mom and she was standing in a room that I believe was the, the house that you guys just, the cabin you guys, you guys just renovated this summer. Um, and there was a huge picture window and the, and the lake was out. You could see the lake through the window. And she was standing um, at an easel painting. Mm. And she was painting the picture of a hummingbird. Mm. And um, she was thin. Her forearms were really... Um, thin, like reminded me of, of like a ballerina with the grace, but then her hands were really um, strong. Yeah. So you could tell that they were kind of like the hands of someone who had worked um, clay, almost like in, with a pot or something, yeah. like not long fingernails, short fingernails and strong hands. And she was painting the picture um, of a hummingbird and outside the window was a hummingbird feeder. Yeah. And, um, and I said, you know, what is, you know, do you have a message for Aaron? And she said, have you ever seen a hummingbird's wings? And I said, well, yes, but they, they, you know, maybe may in a picture, she goes, well, they move and I'm going to have to read this verbatim. I wrote it down. Um, have you ever seen a hummingbird's wings? They're beautiful, but most of the time they are moving so fast that you cannot see the beauty in them for the blur. Tell my daughter that quote, the beauty is in the slowdown. 
<laughs> Good one. And then she winked at me and went back to painting. Right. Wow. Yeah, it gives me chills. That's so her. She was like skinny, skinny, skinny little arms, skinny little arms, strong little bony fingers. Yeah. Yeah, but the beauty is in the slowdown. And then mm -hmm. so when you when you said earlier today that you're practicing slowing down. Yeah. That's why I laughed because I'm like, yeah, your mom is so such a big fan of that. Mm -hmm. And the image was that when you catch the the hummingbird's wings are moving so fast that you can't even see how beautiful they are and the intricate details of them. But if you if they slow down enough that you can see the beauty of the wing, like the beauty's in the slowdown. The beauty is in the slowdown. I I love that. I will I will cherish that line. Yeah, absolutely. There's there's no question because otherwise, what are we left with? You know, we're just left with. The blur. The blur. The blur of moving too fast. Yeah. yeah. Wow, Peyton. Thank you. What a gift. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, you're welcome. <laughs> never know how it's gonna land, right? But again, spirit, you know, never spirit never lets me down. So so anyway. That's yeah, so you're yeah, yeah, I mean we have a few minutes left. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, well, I, I hope for for everyone for um, you know, 2021 to, to have the beauty of the slowdown, you know, it's interesting because we've just come through this challenging year of 2020 and moving into 2021. What, a, you know, this is the big topic. What are the lessons we're bringing forward with us and what are the things that, you know, we're going to cherish from this time to get, you know, in, mm -hmm. in, during COVID. And, you know, for me, it's, um, it, what I am noticing with people is that the hustle has never really paid off. It's just really never, it's really never gone well for a lot of people. They end up just haggard and, and, you know, maybe with a fraction more stuff, mm -hmm. but the, the beauty in the slowdown is that loving awareness, living lifestyle, that loving awareness way of being. Mm -hmm. I think that's, um, that's certainly what I, I would hope to promote and to help people gain that um that loving awareness here but then the loving awareness out there too so loving yeah. awareness for self and others well and that's and that's the way that we spread light right like we just be the light and then the light spreads like yes it starts with a loving awareness with starting within within um and then spreading out and giving other people permission to be loving awareness as well so yeah. i love that all right we just a few minutes left and do you um so is there something you'd like to share with the audience? Like, a, yeah. I mean, you know, after this conversation, I, um, you know, I, I, I am a fan of this idea of, um, of a trifecta and I'm not actually sure what it is yet, but there's spirit is a big part of it. So it's something like spirit service and creativity. And when the three of them come together, incredible mm -hmm. possibilities can happen. Um, but I, I think what I, I look at for people is to create more multidimensional, more like to really polish more facets of who they are so that they're not just so, you know, um, one dimensional and just hitting that same thought over and over again. Mm -hmm. and I know that's my, my practice. Um, so, you know, for me, it's, it's about creating, uh, goals, you know, creating that goal line, creating goals for yourself through, through your life and, you know, definitely moving your life forward, advancing your life and, and achieving the things that you want to achieve, but then also moving up through the soul line, you know, uh, having the goal line and then up into the soul and spirit line, the goal so, line and the soul line. Yeah. And you can have both so that both exist 
so that we, what I notice with intuitives and, and, and spirit driven people is that sometimes they can be so heavily over, you know, flexing that muscle of their, of spirit and intuition and, um, and that internal life that their goals go, you know, into the toilet. And so it, it is, it is both. And, and then of course, you know, people who are heavily, you know, functioning in their you know, goal arena, forget their spirit. So I, having both rise up at the same time is. Yeah. It's like the perfect blend of Peter and I call it um, the, uh, the perfect balance between the, the woo woo, which is the spirit. Yeah. Yeah. And the what, what, which is the. The woo woo and the what, what. I like it. The woo woo and the what, what. I love it. Uh, yes. Thank you for all that that you do and who you are and how you're really emerging out into the world. I love how responsive you are to your hits. You're you are right on it and you knock it out of the park every time. Thanks, man. It's just every time. Yeah, I'm having fun. And that's that's just the best part of it all. So yeah. Um, well, thank you, Aaron. Thank you so much. How can people get in touch with you? Well, you can follow me on Instagram. I don't know why I love Instagram so much, but I love it because it's visual and it's pretty. And it's, <laughs> you're like, Instagram's in the boxes. Follow me on Instagram. Me on Instagram. <laughs> Just don't, you know, believe everything I say. But, but follow me on Instagram, LiveBigCo. And uh, and then on my website, sign up for my newsletter at LiveBigCo.com. Great. And I'll put the, I'll put the. If you want to have a conversation. I'm, I love having conversations with people. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. Well, thank you. And I'll put the, um, I'll put the link in the, in the um, YouTube channel on the little slide at the end. And yeah, I'm just so grateful for you and really, really honored to have shared the space with you. So thank you so much. Yeah. Um, again, Aaron Anderson and my name's Peyton Turner and we are both into it. So into it.